Sometimes we just need to be careful about that, that sometimes we talk about a lot of it and we don't really come out and stand against it, but he was against sin and he spoke boldly about it and he called people to repentance. He basically said, this is sin, this is wrong, you need to turn around, you need to stop, and you need to go in a new direction. Welcome to Living Love, the radio broadcast ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Benton, Illinois. Our desire is to live love to God, to others, and the nations. We hope this week's broadcast will bless and encourage you. Now, let's dive into God's Word and see how we can live love today. If you're here, if you're at home today, uh, just want to acknowledge this has been a rough week for Emmanuel Baptist Church. Been some deaths of the saints, which the Bible says that's precious, but that doesn't mean that it's not tough to lose people who've been a part of the body of Christ. Uh, a lot of sickness, a lot of struggles. I, I kind of get prayer chain things on my phone, and uh, you about wore my phone out this week, just kind of more people, and it's been a tough time. But that's also when churches kind of rise to be who they ought to be, when they do ministry during times of death and difficulty and challenge, when they're being mindful of each other, when there's lots of illness and sickness going around. Uh, that kind of, kind of challenges the church to be what the church needs to be. But I want to just maybe take a moment before we get to the Gospel of John in the first chapter, and that's where we're headed. Uh, but just to kind of just take a moment of just praying for folks who are struggling, folks who are grieving, folks who are uh, worried and difficult and issues with health, uh, just so as the church will be mindful of that and our, our minds and our hearts will be drawn to those folks that we know need our attention, need our prayers, need our ministry. So would you just bow your heads for a moment? Father, I, uh, we just come to you as the body of Christ, acknowledging that there are people within our body who are struggling some with health issues, some who have experienced grief, some who are trying to figure out different kinds of things that are going on. Lord, it's a difficult time, and, and we pray that you will be with those individuals that even in our, our hearts and our minds this morning here and at home, there are individuals that are in our minds right now that we know are struggling. And Lord, we pray that you would draw us to them, that they would be brought to our minds for prayer, and that, Father, you would speak to them, that you would be the God of mercy, the God of ministry, the God of presence, and that we would be a church that ministers to those who are around us within our body, that, Lord, this may be one of those times where that, that test of, uh, of all men knowing that we are your disciples because we love one another, that our sense and spirits will be drawn to act out love to one another, and that, Lord, we'll minister well as the body of Christ during this time of some illness and some difficulty. Lord, you make us mindful of the needs around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Kind of just throw that on. I've been sick this week. Not the, uh, the test for COVID and flu and leprosy all came back negative, so I don't have any of those. Uh, but just had a sinus infection and uh, today kind of have a voice, I think. We'll see how it is by the end of the day. But uh, looking forward to that, looking to what we're doing this morning. Tonight, we're going to get back to the shortest books of the Bible and we'll be at 3rd John. And uh, actually, Third John is written to a guy by the name of Gaius, who very well may have been with Paul 
in the city of Ephesus in the book of Acts uh, at the riot that went on. Well, Karen and I have had a chance to be in Ephesus a couple times. So I've got some slides, some pictures to look at tonight and just talk about the city of Ephesus and uh, just kind of a neat song. And, and it's interesting that in that little book, Paul talks to Gaius and says, I hope that your physical health is good, but I'm also concerned about the health of your soul. Uh, and there's that interesting connection that we want to care about people's physical health, but also their soul. So that's, that's tonight, and we'll come back to that. But, uh, but today we're going to talk about one of my favorite characters in the Bible, John the Baptist. Um, Baptists as a whole don't do patron saints, but if we had one, it'd be John the Baptist. And just for the record, uh, you do know that John's ministry was primarily in Judea, which is in the southern part of Israel. So he was technically John the Southern Baptist. Just get that in there. Uh, that's a little stretch. We won't go there. Uh, obviously, he is such a unique character. I mean, he just, there are just so many unique things about him. His birth was obviously unique. His parents were advanced in age, is the way his dad says it when he talks to the angel. And Scripture says Elizabeth was barren, and they'd had no children. And in fact, Zechariah was so shocked when the angel said, you're going to have a child, he doubted and questioned, and the angel said, okay, so you're just not going to speak until this baby's born. And uh, kind of a unique birth. We know that he was a cousin, second cousin, or some sort of distant relation cousin to Jesus, because Mary and Elizabeth were related. So we know that. We know that, that uh, he was just a little bit older than Jesus. We, we know a lot of interesting stuff. We know that he was a, a sort of a fashionista. I'm sure that Jerusalem Target was just stocking camel skin coats for everybody, because uh, John was wearing them. And by the way, if you're not aware, that, that was about the cheapest skin you could buy because it was the most uncomfortable. It was the, the harshest. And to be very honest, camel skins were not something you sought after. And therefore, it was the cheapest thing you can buy and kind of had a smell that never, ever really went away. Uh, and so he wore camel skin. That's kind of a bizarre thing, but it was, he didn't spend much money on his appearance. We know that he was a bit of a gourmet. Uh, Honey and grasshoppers. Uh, I think, you know, I always thought if you put enough honey on almost anything, it would be edible. I'm not sure about grasshoppers, and I've heard people say the only problem with the grasshoppers is that the, the legs get caught in your teeth. I, I'm not sure. Uh, but obviously, that was a very simple kind of diet. We know that he, he didn't worry about where he lived. He lived out in the wilderness, kind of a hermit. In fact, by the way, monks and monasteries kind of acknowledged John as kind of their, their guy because he lived out away from the world and the city so that he would not be caught up in the temptations of the city. And there's something positive about that. A lot of unique things about him, but maybe the most important thing that I want you to know about John is that in Matthew chapter 11, when Jesus was asked about John, Jesus said of John the Baptist, there has not been a greater man born of woman in the kingdom of God. Not another man who has ever lived born of woman who had the same place in the heart of God as John the Baptist. Now that's pretty significant for Jesus to say that of someone, and consequently, He's a man that we really ought to seek and to understand something about. 
And so in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, written by the Apostle John, he tells some of the story of John the Baptist. And all of the, all of the Gospels tell us different things about John. And you put them all together and you get this phenomenal picture of a man. But beginning in verse 6 of chapter 1, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. And then I want us to jump down to verse 19, and we'll pick up a little bit more about John the Baptist. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed, but did not deny, or did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. The word Christ meant the Messiah, the one promised in the Old Testament. And that's the, the Greek translation of the word Messiah. And they asked him, what then are you? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah and now they had been sent from the Pharisees, they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And these things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. And in some weeks to come, we'll catch some more of John the Baptist because he continues to play out and, and his disciples. And John had a great kind of, of following. But this idea that, that Jesus said, nobody born of woman greater than John the Baptist. In other words, whatever there was in the life of John, God valued it. Jesus valued it. And if you want to understand what was important to Jesus, what is important to God at the highest kind of levels, then the example of John the Baptist ought to sort of stand out for us. And so today, I want us to just think a little bit about a couple of things that John did that are the kinds of things that if you and I want to understand what pleases God and what pleases Jesus, what would gather his attention and his respect, these are the kinds of things. And the first one is that John took sin seriously. I mean, he took sin very seriously. Part of his appearance, part of his lifestyle was a way of avoiding sin. It kind of makes you think about the Amish and some other folks who sort of try to avoid the temptations of the world and flee the sin of the world. And John did that in some respect, but partly it's because he took sin seriously in his own life, but he took sin seriously in the world. And he spoke about sin, maybe more openly and more harshly and more straightforwardly than any of the other prophets in his day. He talked seriously about sin. And you understand, most folks don't like to hear that. And by the way, when he spoke about sin, he was against it. Now, sometimes we just need to be careful about that, that sometimes we talk about a lot of it and we don't really come out and stand against it, but he was against sin and he spoke boldly about it and he called people to repentance. He basically said, this is sin, this is wrong, you need to turn around, you need to stop, and you need to go in a new direction. And because of that, he got a lot of attention and lots of people, it says that all Jerusalem went out to hear him. 
He had his own group of disciples. He had lots of folks who began to follow him. He, he spoke with a kind of boldness and a kind of conviction that was not common in that day. And let me just tell you, a conviction about seriousness of sin is always an important deal. And he had it about the people of God, because that's who he was primarily speaking to, the household of faith. He was a prophet sent by God and partly to talk about sin, but he just didn't do that. He also had a real specific thing about spiritual leaders. He did not make friends of the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the priests. When he talked about the axe being laid to the root of the tree, and by the way, when you take an axe to the root of the tree, you're kind of getting rid of all of it. And he basically said, there are leaders who are not who they ought to be, and God needs to take care of that. He spoke about sin, and he spoke about it openly, and he spoke about it publicly. Probably the most significant part is that in his world, he talked about public officials in sin. The biggest issue that we know of is that Herodias, or Herod, Antipas, uh, put his way a wife. His, these are the descendants. After Herod the Great died, uh, the, the kingdom of Israel, Palestine, was turned over to his children. And Herod Antipas was one of his children, and Herod divorced his wife, and then took Herodias, his brother, Herod Philip's wife, and married her, and John had the audacity to say that was sin. And he said it so openly and so plainly, and it offended Herod Antipas so much that he eventually arrested John. And for being serious and taking sin seriously, he not only spends time in prison, but you remember the stories recorded that eventually Herodias' daughter, Salome, dances before Herod Antipas in such a seductive way that Herod says, I'll give you anything, and he says, I want, she said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a silver charger, on a tray. And he gave his word, and John was beheaded for speaking out about sin in the world. I don't know if I really want to go down this thing, but I, uh, I read last night in the Southern Illinoisan that the, uh, the governor of our state was happy to announce that there were going to be opening a new health center in Fairview Heights, a reproductive health center, which is really an abortion center. Is there not something tragic when we in our society call the murder of children health. I'm just not sure about that, and, and I'm not so sure that we get as serious about sin as we ought to be. I wonder what would John be talking about in our day today, but clearly we understand that one of the things significant about him is that he spoke openly about sin, and he took sin seriously. And I'm not sure that we do that as much as we used to. I'm not sure that we as Baptists take it seriously. There was a time when it was not unusual at the altar during a time of invitation for people to come and confess their sins before Jesus openly at the altar because we took sin seriously. We would have weeks of revival where we'd sort of stop all of our other activities and we would come and, and we'd partly focus on the lost, but usually there was always a period of time of really taking sin seriously and the people of God confessing their sins and being right. And, and by the way, before you get too serious about anybody else's sin, you always got to get serious about your own. Amen. 
I mean, that's kind of a basic reality, and, and maybe that's part of the way John lived, the way he lived to say, I'm trying to avoid sin in my life because I'm going to speak so openly about sin in the world. John had a conviction about sin. John also uh, was a man who understood his part in God's plan. He quotes this passage from Isaiah, I am... Uh, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the Christ. I'm not the one. I'm not anybody important. I'm just here because God has sent me to prepare the way for the Messiah. You understand God's got a part for everybody. I mean, God has a place for everybody in his kingdom, everybody in his work, every person who comes to Jesus. He's got a part for you. Now, John's part was kind of a big part. It was a big deal part and, and kind of a unique part, a part unlike maybe anybody else ever has had. There was something unique, but partly the reason he was honored by God is that God said, here's your job, and he accepted it, and he did it. And regardless of the consequences, he did what God wanted him to do. And, and I think there's also this neat thing that he basically understood that the kingdom of God, the plan of God, the work of God was bigger than him. And, and one of the neat things that shows up in John's life, he's got disciples. I mean, he's got people following him. He's got huge crowds. I mean, Billy Graham kind of sized crowds. He's got all kinds of people coming to listen to him. He has people, I'm sure, who are trying to invite him for dinner and want to get to know him and want to get close to him. And he's got disciples who are following him. But he understands that it's not about him. In fact, in that, that Rick Warren book, Purpose Driven Life, the very first three words, it's not, four words, it's not about you. Um, it, it's about something bigger than you. It's about something bigger than me, that when I come to church, it's for me, and I want to get what I can get, and I, and I need things from the body of Christ, but it's always about something bigger than me. And John was able to say, it's not about me. And he made those amazing words, he must increase Jesus and I must decrease. And in the next few verses, we're going to see that he's got some disciples, and pretty much John is going to say to his followers, don't follow me. It's time for you to start following Jesus. There's somebody else to follow. This idea that the work of the kingdom of God is bigger than me. And John understood that. He had a place, and a very important place. And, and this idea of being a kind of a road builder to, to get the road ready, I've always had in my church in Effingham, we had Department of Transportation guys, engineers, who, civil engineers who planned out roads, and, and you had to work on the, the hills, and that idea of making the road straight. First of all, you try to not go around too many mountains, and by the way, there are some roads in southern Illinois that are just the curviest things. It's kind of like, man, we're not worried about this being straight, uh, and ups and downs, but this idea of we want to make an interstate. We want to get rid of the, the hills. We want to get rid of the valleys. We want to get rid of the curves. He just basically says, my part is to make it absolutely as easy and as clear as possible to get to Jesus. For him to come, I'm preparing the way that I'm making sure that his way is prepared. And that part of that was this talking about sin and more specifically, calling people to repentance. Well, what about John? Why was he so great? Well, one, he took sin seriously, and maybe that ought to be a wake-up call for us. And certainly, he understood his part in God's plan, and, and we'll come back to that in a moment. But 
Mostly, he was a man who pointed the way to Jesus. He did it for his disciples. He did it for everybody. And and we get to this point where he came with one purpose. He was sent by God to bear witness to the light to be a testimony, and he gives his testimony. And his testimony is, I'm not the light, but there's somebody coming, and more than anything else, you need to make sure you know him. In fact, he's going to make one of the great statements in the very next (coughs) verse that with the second passage, and we'll get to that in a couple of weeks as well, but he's going to see Jesus pass, and he's going to say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And very quickly, we're going to see him taking his followers and pointing them to Jesus. In other words, he just wants people to come to know Jesus. He wants people to know who Jesus is. He wants them to see Jesus. He is a witness and a testimony. And for John the Apostle writing these words, telling this story so that everybody who hears it may believe, he says, from the very beginning, the first guy I need to tell you about is a guy who just wants you to know about Jesus. Now, because my voice is a little questionable today, I'm going to cut to the chase. John is this unique guy. Strange clothes, strange life, tragic death, example, (coughs) respect of Jesus. (coughs) I'm going to get my bottle of water. (coughs) This sort of comes as a humility. Every kind of year, people who take a lot of pride in talking out loud for a living (coughs) find that they can't talk all of a sudden. (coughs) If you and I want to please Jesus, if we want to be great in the kingdom of God, take sin seriously. (coughs) Starting your own life. Not that you need to come to the altar to pray today, but you understand I'm not sure as Christians in today's day that we take sin as seriously as we ought to. And we know that. (coughs) Make sure that you're not spending your time on everybody else's sin but your own. And the idea of repentance, just simple confession. That when God speaks to us about sin, it's not because He doesn't love us, (coughs) but because He does love us. And He wants us to confess and to turn and to choose a different path. And so today, (coughs) take sin seriously in your life. Beyond that, take sin seriously in the world. And yes, there's a need for us to stand openly and positively about sin, to be outraged, to be upset, to be burdened, to be brokenhearted about sin in a world. And understand that maybe we ought not to get all hung up about whether or not they take a post down on Facebook. We ought to be more brokenhearted about the sin that's going on in the world. Amen. And we ought to be open to stand against it as a, as a light in the darkness, as a, a sounding word <coughs> for the kingdom of God. And then understand there may be consequences if we do. And to not be upset or afraid, but to be bold. And then certainly (coughs) to say, I need to be a part of God's kingdom. The old adage, uh, 80% of the work of the body of Christ is usually done by (coughs) 20% of the people. (coughs) To be able to say, it's, it's not enough. Christianity is not to be a spectator sport. John took his place in the kingdom of God and did exactly what God wanted him to do. 
And if you've been sitting on the side, I don't, don't want to say anything negative about the balcony, but I, I kind of get this idea. It's good to sit in the balcony. It's okay. But there's a lot of us that are just sort of sitting in the balcony watching the work of God's kingdom, watching the work of God's church, and not finding some way to be involved. John very specifically knew he had a part and a place and a purpose in God's kingdom. And all of us need to find that. But then maybe the greatest thing of all is that you and I need to be bold witnesses who point people to Jesus, who don't just see us but see a life and a lifestyle and a habit and attitude and words and deeds that all help people to find their way to Jesus. And I like the idea that John said, I'm trying to make it smooth and easy for Jesus to get here because I also want it to be smooth and easy for people to find Jesus. One of the reasons for a godly lifestyle, one of the reasons for a, a lifestyle that removes sin is that that sin and the life of a sinful Christian becomes a kind of stumbling block. And literally anything that stands between other people finding Jesus, if you and I are it, that's a big deal. One of the harshest things Jesus ever said is that if you and I become a stumbling block, if we make it difficult for somebody to get to Jesus, I think he says something about it. It would be better if you had a millstone, one of those great big stones tied around your wreck and be thrown into the sea. That's pretty harsh words. Because he says the most important thing, if you're going to really be valued by the kingdom of God, then you need to be pointing people to Jesus and make it easy for them to find him. To make easy for them to know who he is, to be witnesses, to be testimonies, to be living examples that point people. And that idea of being the light of the world is that we're not the light ourselves, but we reflect the light of Jesus in everything we do so that we, like John, can give testimony to the light. To be able to say, I've seen the light, it's changed my life, I live differently because of Jesus Christ. And then, to urge and to beg and to plead with everyone else to come to know him. So today, my voice got back for just a minute. I'm going to get to the end. If you're here and you're not sure about Jesus Christ, or if you're watching and you're not sure about Jesus Christ, the greatest word that anyone can say is, find him now. <clears throat> find him today. And for those who have found him, make that transformation and that witness visible for all. Well, one of the unique things that goes with John the Baptist is the word boldness. I mean, to be bold, to be courageous. I didn't mean that he didn't have some weak moments. In fact, while he's in prison, he actually sends word to Jesus, and are you really the Messiah? And there's almost a kind of concern, and we don't know what it was like to be in prison. But we know that he still stood boldly. In the book of Acts, one of the first things we see, there's this recurring word that they preached the gospel boldly, that they shared their faith boldly. And today, I kind of just think, if John the Baptist is going to speak to us, he's going to encourage us to be bold. Bold in what we stand for. Bold in what we stand against. Probably wise in how we stand for and against things. But most importantly, to make sure that people know Jesus Christ. To be able to know that the people we work with, the neighbors that we have, our family members, know for certain what we have come to see. I like the idea of, uh, he came to bear witness to the light. 
I think we talked a couple weeks ago about that old song, I Saw the Light. Well, I hope everybody that you know knows that the light of Jesus Christ has changed you and can change them if they come to it. Well, I'm going to go stand at the back, but I'm not shaking your hand. And uh, I'll keep this away from you, and we'll still be safe, but uh, I like John. I like just as an example. They're just such a powerful tool there to encourage us to stand and stand boldly and understand there might even be a cost. But when we stand boldly, I, I think about standing before Jesus and hearing those words, well done, good and faithful servant. If you're going to hear those things and you take the example of John, his example is one we need to follow. Father, we thank you for men and women throughout all of the ages who've been faithful and who have served you and followed you. And Lord, we pray today that you and I, that, that we in this room might be those kinds of men and women, that we might find in you a strength and a, a courage, a conviction to be bold in our faith, bold in our witness and our testimony, serious about our personal life and, and the way that we live, godliness and holiness, and that, Father, we might live in ways that would allow us to someday stand before you and get your approval, your love, and your acceptance. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of Living Love. If this message has impacted you in any way, please let us know. If you would like to contact us, find out more about our church, or if you'd like to support our mission, visit ibcbenton.com. That's ibcbenton.com. Or give us a call at 618 439 3513.